Thank you. Today's reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, reading verses 1 through to 13. If you'd like to have your Bibles open, then you can find it on page 771 in the Church Bibles. It should also be on the screen as well. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Thank you. Thank you, Reese. Could I have you um, stay up here? And could I ask Charles to come and help us? We're going to start. Um, if, if you are, uh, if you've joined us since the new year, we started a new sermon series. Um, we're going to go through Book of Acts and see what God has done in the past, and we might be able to plan our future and think about our future. But as we um, start, I want to. This is the great thing about having a little bit of a staff who's young and energetic and who's willing to be embarrassed. Um, I'm going to. Um, could, I, could, could we play charades? And could one of you, uh, who's going, uh, could one of you act and could we, uh, could one of you uh, guess what you're acting, yeah? Who's, who's, uh, who's doing the, uh, you're acting. So um, if then, uh, Charles, could you just stand in front of him? So uh, don't turn around. So here's a picture that is going to come up. Can we start the PowerPoint? Yep, there we go. Could you act this out, and let's see how long it takes for Reese to get... Go! Candy floss. <laughs> Crab. Crab, yes. Very good. Next one. This one. Ready? Go. <laughs> Lazy. Sleeping. Lazy. <laughs> Rabbit. <laughs> Daft. Big rabbit. <laughs> Panda. Panda bear. Okay, that was, I think, also, it was harder, but it was uh, it's still fairly easy. So here we go. Next one. Act this one out. Point. You. Love. Me. <laughs> Thank you, Charles. Pray. <laughs> so that was a phrase, I love you. And you have one more. Try to act this one out. Scared, shocked, worried, anxious, <laughs> nervous, <laughs> reading, eating, bowl of soup, 
words pointing at me. Airplane. <laughs> Flying. I think uh, we should put this to rest. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, the, the, the last passage um, that uh, um, Charles tried to act was uh, from 1 Corinthians 15. Two to five. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Um, and part of the thing that I wanted to say uh, to playing the charades is the gospel needs to be preached. It needs to be heard. We need to speak this faith. How many of you have uh, heard the saying, preach the gospel at all times, but when necessary, use words? It's usually attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, uh, though we don't have any evidence of that, but we know what that means. We know that in order for the gospel to be preached powerfully, it needs to be lived out. It needs to be embodied. There needs to be an incarnation of the gospel in us as we speak. And Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, uh, wrote famously, Your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Our actions speak loudly. There is a difference between a hypocritical, self-righteous pastor preaching the gospel and a a missionary whose life is lived humbly and and one of hardship and simplicity. Anyone can see the difference of that message, but... What I hope that the charades game has shown is that in the end, the message of the gospel, that God became a human being, that uh, he lived a sinless and righteous life, that he was mocked and whipped and nailed on the cross and died for us and rose again on the third day, that he gives us that life and forgiveness of sins, that he uh, is living with his father right now, that he will come to judge the living and the dead. Well, all these things, at some point, need to be communicated verbally. It's simply impossible to preach the gospel without words. We need to share the gospel with words as well as our life. It needs to be more than speaking, but it can't be less than that. And that's one of the reasons why the Spirit came on that Pentecost day 2,000 years ago. Remember the promise that he made last week, or last, uh, last chapter, in chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy, Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the age, uh, ends of the earth. Christ promised the Holy Spirit so that we might become his witnesses, that we might go and speak the gospel. We might point to Jesus and say, there is a Savior who has come for us. So after he ascended into heaven, as we saw last week, he sent the Spirit. As the disciples gathered in one place, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind filled that room. The tongues of fire came and remained on each one of the disciples. And look at verse 4, chapter 2, verse 4. When they were filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit, they began to speak. They began to speak as the Spirit enabled them. They became his witnesses. 
And surely, this is one of the reasons why the, the Spirit comes in the form of a tongue, isn't it? We have seen the Spirit come in the form of fire before. Something that's purifying and powerful. Something that is actually dangerous. You can't quite, you can get close to it, but you can't quite touch it. Transcendent Spirit. We have seen the Spirit come down in the form of a dove. Peacemaker. Something that inaugurates a new time. We've seen the Spirit compared to oil. Anointing of oil. The act of setting people apart. But this time, on that historic day of Pentecost, it's the, the tongues of fire. He comes down in the form of a tongue. The Spirit gives the ability for each of these people to start speaking for the gospel, to, to start speaking in different languages so that the gospel p- could be pro- proclaimed to the ends, uh, the ends of the earth. The disciples were empowered to speak. And let me make this clear. It would be a misapplication of the gospel for us to say that let's now, well, our job now is to huddle together and pray until God makes us his witnesses. As we'll see more later on next week, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the Pentecost day was a once-in-history event. It marked the beginning of a new era of the uh, of the time that the Old Testament pr- promised, a new era will come, new time will come. It marks the beginning of the spirit, uh, the, the days of the, uh, what, what Peter will call last days. This time when God's people, everyone who calls on the name of the uh, name of our Lord, will receive the Holy Spirit. This is the point. On that day, on the Pentecost day, two thousand years ago, the Spirit was turned on. He was poured out, and it never stopped. It never stopped. The Spirit is with us now. It fills us now. Unlike the disciples who had to wait for the Spirit before, we have the Holy Spirit now. Paul will say, having believed, having believed, we were marked with him, uh, with the sealed, promised Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1. And in many other places, we we have the assurance that we have the Holy Spirit with us. So this then, I think what it means, we have the power to speak. That power that made the ordinary fishermen into witnesses, the uneducated Galileans to powerful speakers of the wonders of God. We have that power now. The Holy Spirit that equips us, the Holy Spirit will equip us, the the believers, into being his witnesses. If we realize this, I think if we realize that we have this power, I think we will start bearing witness in the most extraordinary ways, in the most extraordinary circumstances. We will. We're a bit like uh, in Spider-Man in Spider-Man 1 when he's zapped by the, when he's bitten by the, um, uh, the, the spider and he starts realizing he has all these powers with him. The thing is, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the power with us. And we need to start realizing this. And we need to start relying on him. And we need to start using that power that God has given to each one of us. We need to start speaking. David Wilkerson uh, is the author of Cross and, and the Switchblade. He was a minister of a little town in Pennsylvania. And at some point, God had called him to go down to New York City to plant a church there. Um, to minister, actually, to uh, specifically to gangsters in New York. 
He couldn't have been more different from these gangsters. He was this skinny white man with, uh, who, who liked to wear suits. Yeah, one day he called all the gang members together into one big auditorium and he uh, told them to love each other. And when he told them to love each other, the gang members started showing the scars they had inflicted on each other. And as they were gathered in that one room, there was so much hatred and the thoughts of violence in the air. But on that day, he spoke the gospel. And on that day, it was a man named Nicky Cruz, one of the gang leaders who had come. And this is what he wrote about his experience. All of us were on our feet. The room was charged with hatred. I was looking for a way out into the aisle. Um, the, the full-scale riot was building. Suddenly, I had the urge to look at Wilkerson. He was standing calmly on the stage, his head bowed, his hands clasped tightly against his chest. His knuckles showed white against the skin. I could see his lips moving. I knew he was praying. Something clutched at my heart. I stopped and looked at myself. All around me, the bedlam continued, but I was looking inwards. Here was the skinny man, unafraid in the midst of all the danger. Where did he get his power? Why wasn't he afraid like the rest of us? I felt shame, embarrassment, guilt. The only thing that I knew about God at all was what I had learned seeing this man. Nikki Cruz, who later became a Christian and now later became a pastor, asked the question, where did he get this power? I know where he got that power. We know where he got that power. That power goes all the way back to 2,000 years ago on the Pentecost day when God sent the power for us to be his witnesses, when God sent his power, his spirit upon all of us, upon David Wilkerson, upon you and me, so that we might have the power to stand and start speaking in the name of Jesus Christ. We have that power. Do we realize that we have this power? When was the last time that you shared the gospel with, in words with people around you? We're surrounded by non-Christians in this city, in our workplaces, our co-workers, friends, family, people in our sports clubs or whatever. When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? Do we realize that communicating the gospel with our life, with our deeds, is necessary ingredient, but that's not enough? That people need to hear the gospel in order for them to know, come to know him. Do we realize that this isn't, job, this isn't just the job of a pastor or evangelist, but God has gifted all of us, all believers with the Spirit, that all of us might start bearing witness to Jesus Christ. So the, the, um, the Pentecost was an inauguration of this unprecedented time of witnessing, verbal witness, verbal ministry of the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that witness, um, the Holy Spirit will transform this uh, Christianity into a, 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 a religion of a small Jewish uh, people, small group of Jewish people into a global faith, international faith. On that day, also, as the Holy Spirit came down, he began to unite people of every nation under the lordship of Jesus in a new way. And the division uh, goes back all the way to Babel in Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. Humanity was united in their rebellion against Yahweh God, 
And so as God, uh, as, a, as a punishment um, uh, to this, and also I think as a punishment, as also as an act of mercy to prevent them from uh, uh, doing even uh, greater evil, God confused their language and scattered them all over the earth. They were divided. So here's the reversal of that disunity that we see in the beginning of Pentecost, the beginning of a new time, new humanity, of, un- uh, of unity. He's, um, on the day of Pentecost, there was Jews uh, from every nation there under heaven, he writes in verse 5. And he spends a good deal of naming these nations in verses 9 through 11. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia. I thought uh, Reese did a very good job of um, pronouncing all these difficult names. Even Cretans and Arabs were there. And we see in verse 11, both Jews and converts to Judaism, which means that these were people who once had been Gentiles. Mean, they were Gentiles, people who converted into Judaism. So we, both, we see both the Jews and the Gentiles there. And before the day is over, 3,000 of those people who had been gathered from people all over the, the, the Roman, Greco-Roman world were, became united under Christ. They became a family in Christ. And before the rest of this book, is over, Acts is over. We know that the gospel is preached to all over the Greco-Roman world and people become united under the lordship of Christ. As many of you know, I've lived in five different countries. I was born in Korea. I lived in the, in, in, in the U.S. I did some mission work in Honduras. I went to England and now I'm in Hong Kong. Here's the thing. If I meet a Christian from any of these countries... In fact, if I meet a Christian from anywhere in the world, people from Hungary or Nigeria or Kenya, or people that I've never, I mean, places I've never heard of, if I meet a Christian there, I know that I have more in common with that person than a non-Christian in my home country. We share this vast number of stories, don't we? Because we share the Bible. We're shaped by the stories in the Bible. We're shaped by the culture of the Bible. We're shaped by the old teachings of the Old and the New Testament. We worship the same God. We are, our views on marriage, uh, sex outside of marriage, divorce or social issues, love for people, uh, they're all the same. We, we have the same goal. We have view, our view on, on money is the same. Why we live is the same. We all sit under the authority of Christ. We're united under the, uh, the lordship of Christ. I have more in common with a Christian from anywhere in the world than a non-Christian here in Hong Kong or in Korea. We might have different political opinions, different assumptions about many things, but we both consider ourselves Christians first. Our identity is first Christian first, and then Korean or Nigerian or whatever second. We know that we have become brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That unity that we have in each other, that's Spirit's unity. Because he pointed us to the Lordship of Christ. And once again, surely this is why the Spirit enabled uh, the disciples to speak in different languages on that day. This gift of the tongue that we see, I think the gift of tongue that's mentioned in Romans or 1 Corinthians, that's probably different from this gift that we see in this in Acts chapter 2. Because rather than being unintelligible sort of spiritual language, this is foreign language that they speak. 
In verse 4, uh, Luke records that they started to speak in different tongues. And the reason, surely, why God gave them that ability to speak in different languages on that day is to tell each one of them that Jesus is now the Lord over all people, to unite them under Christ. And also, there's a strategic element to this, I think, that he poured out the Holy Spirit on that day when people of all nations were gathered to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost because this was a strategic time to proclaim the Lordship of Christ all over the world in one place. And for the same reason, why this is why I think living in Hong Kong is exciting. These are just some of the ethnicities in, in represented in Hong Kong. Chinese, mainland, lots of mainland Chinese, Filipinos, Indonesian, Indian, Thai, Japanese, Korean, uh, Nepalese, Pakistanis, French, American, British, Canadian, Sri Lankans, Nigerian, asylum seekers from all over the world. People from all over the world are here in Hong Kong. Now, when you walk down the street on Nathan Road and you bump into somebody who did not look like you, how do you feel? Do you get annoyed? Or do you think this is exciting? When you have a Japanese colleague or a Korean colleague or a German colleague, Spanish colleague in your home, I mean, not in your home, in your workplace, and they bring their differences, do you just get annoyed or do you think, wow, what an opportunity? If you have Indonesian helper living with you, do you just think, ah, what a nuisance that he can't, she can't do this and that? Or do you think, what an opportunity? Because from the gospel's point of view, this is exciting. You know, I have friends in Japan and Indonesia and parts of China, Spain, who have gone to great lengths to be missionaries there at great cost. But we in Hong Kong have all these people living in the same city. We have the opportunity to go and share the gospel with these people all around us. People from all over the world. And many of these people are looking for a community and family and we're looking for help and genuine friendship. What an opportunity for the churches in Hong Kong to reach out. And of course, this isn't easy. And uh, it's a lot easier to talk to people who are like us, who speak the same language as us, who share the same culture as us. But think about why God has brought you to Hong Kong. Think about why you are in Hong Kong. Why did God place you here now with all these opportunities around you? Are we praying for these people around us? Are we looking for opportunities? At the end, I think the reason why we hate to speak of Christ to anybody is because it, it, there's always um, people who give us a hard time. Um, I think that's probably the biggest reason. We're made fun of and all those things, and we see this in this text as well. We have one group asking in verse 12, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? When they see God at work, they're curious. I have a friend who recently started doing one-to-one, meeting this person one-to-one, because he saw a colleague convert. 
And he was so amazed at what was happening with that person's life. And he started asking, why? What's the difference? How is he changing like this? And so he came to my friend and said, what, what, what's the deal? And my friend then offered to meet up with him one-to-one. So some people are excited. And well, some people are curious and they want to come and find out more. And I know that there are people who have converted to Christianity here in this church because of this experience. And maybe you're here now. And if you are here now for that reason, thank you so much for coming. It's great to have you. And do come and talk to me. Talk to us. I'd love to introduce you to people who can talk, tell you more about Jesus. And this is an exciting thing that these people are all around us. As the Spirit's work continues in Hong Kong, more and more people will be asking, what does this mean? But, of course, that's not the reaction of all people in this text. Here's how others react. Some say, some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine. At, this, at the face of this miraculous phenomenon, this uneducated Galileans speaking international language, they ridicule. They say, oh, you're drunk. I mean, you, you hear this all the time, too. Oh, you're Christian. You're just illogical or you're brainwashed. How can you possibly believe that? People divide. Well, this past week, we saw uh, violence erupting in France of a militant Muslim group attacking a French um, satirical magazine. This is because Muslims can't, um, they, 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 can't, they can't stand to see Muhammad, the prophet, mocked, uh, made fun of. That's, it's not the way that it's supposed to be. And so when the Islam comes under attack, they attack back because this is not how they're supposed to be. But we Christians are different in that the suffering brought salvation. The fact that Christ was ridiculed, the fact that Christ went to the cross, the fact that he died, he was killed, brought salvation to all of us. And when Christ called us, he said that we, you, will be, you will be in the same situation as I, I am. So what do we expect this? is the question I want to ask you. People divide. That's just how the story goes in the gospel, in, the, in Acts, and in our life now. As we, as we continue the work of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, people will divide. Some people will, will, will be curious, and some people will start making fun of you or even persecuting you. Are we ready to answer their questions? Are we ready to face their ridicule? And are we ready, as Robert said in the very beginning, to continue to love other the people who ridicule us continue to share the gospel to those around us. But here's the good news of it all, that at the end of the day, we have the gospel. We have the greatest news that the entire world needs to hear. We have the good news. And we are not alone in doing this. God sent the Spirit 2,000 years ago. And he is here with us now. We have that tremendous power to speak and do God's work here with us now. And not only that, we live in one of the greatest cities in the world with the greatest opportunities to go and speak the gospel. But we need to start using this gift. 
we need to start speaking. The gospel needs to be heard. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the spirit that you have poured out upon each one of us. We thank you that you are with us. And Lord, help us to be your witnesses. Help us to realize the power that you've given us. And no matter where we are, may we become your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen.